Have you ever seen one of those? <laughs> a useless box. The useless box uh, serves absolutely no purpose. As you saw, you would uh, push the button and it, to on and it would push it right back off. It serves absolutely no purpose. And there's lots of things that we have in this world that maybe serve no purpose. But people, especially God's people, are supposed to have a purpose. They're supposed to have a usefulness in this world. And, and that usefulness, that purpose is to glorify God. And this week I want to uh, talk about one of the churches I got to visit in the last couple of weeks. And that was the Church of Laodicea. And the church of Laodicea is, is written about in the book of Revelation. And, and there was a letter written to the, to, the church, to the church of Laodicea in Revelation. And it has always been my favorite letter to any of the churches in Asia Minor. And this, uh, it, it uses uh, almost uh, colorful language, I guess. It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, letter that Jesus tells the people there. And so let's read that at Revelation chapter three, verse 14. It says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write: These are the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Like I said, this... Church has always been one of my favorites to read about in the book of Revelation. And when I'd read it, I think for the longest time, for the past 40 years, uh, whenever, the, I don't know when the first time I ever read it was, probably sometime in junior high or high school, I saw that God wanted them to be either cold or hot. And what I thought what he was talking about was that he wanted them to pick a side, either be for me, be hot on fire for me, or you might as well just be against me. Those that aren't for me are against me. And I thought that was interesting, and I always have liked the idea of becoming on, being on fire for God. But I never quite understood what he was talking about whenever he would say, well, I'd rather you either be for me or against me. It doesn't make sense that he would want them to be against him in any way. But I like that part, that we would be on fire for God. And it wasn't until two weeks ago that I realized what God was saying to them. What he was really saying when Jesus is writing this or, or saying this letter that was written to the to the to the people of Laodicea, I finally understood what exactly he meant. Laodicea is an incredible place. It was probably my favorite place to visit when I went to Turkey or Greece. 
it was by far my favorite place. No, no question about it. And what you see whenever you go to Laodicea or you go to that area, it's a place called the Lycus Valley. And that's a picture I actually took. I mean, that could be uh, framed somewhere. I got to see that with my eyes just standing there and I'm looking out over this incredible view. And that view that you're looking at right there is the Lycus Valley. And Laodicea is up in the uh, upper uh, left hand corner of there. And to the left of that will be Colossae, where we get the letter to the Colossians. And this valley is beautiful, and, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting place because it's a little bit inland. And the thing is, is Ephesus, that's where we get the book of Ephesians, it, it, it's a coastal place where a lot of trade comes through. And then that trade goes on into Syria and down into Israel, but uh, Laodicea is inland, and so this is one of the first places where you have trade coming in from the coast and going down to the Syrian uh, to Syria. And so you have two gates there. One is the gate to Ephesus. One is the gate to Syria. And you have a lot of trade that's coming through. And one of the great things that happens in Laodicea. And they still have it today as this black wool that's supposed to be the greatest in all the world. And, and so the Romans loved to use that black wool with a lot of their clothing. And so that was sold there and they became very wealthy with that. Another thing they had is they, they, they were a great medical institution. They had a, a, a place where people would come for this eye ointment. It was the, they called it a, a Phrygian powder. Which, was, which came from a stone that's right there in the Lycus Valley. So people would come to Laodicea and they would seek medical attention. They would get nice clothes from Laodicea. And Laodicea was a very wealthy city. They didn't need help from outsiders. Matter of fact, when they had a big earthquake, they didn't need the Roman government's help. They had enough money to fix their city themselves. It was beautiful. Before we got to Laodicea, we went to another place, the place where I'm standing as I took this picture. And this place is called Pamukkale, or the Romans called it Heropolis. And this is one of the uh, greatest places, the, the, the places where, where tourists will all come and visit. If you see that, it looks uh, very white, but people are, are, are sitting uh, on, this, on this mountainside. And what that is, is sodium bicarbonate, and people can sit in there. It looks like it's snow that they're sitting in. But they're, they're hot springs and cold springs, mineral springs that are flowing down this, this mountain. And what they've done is it's the sodium bicarbonate, that it, it calcifies or, or puts like a baking soda, I guess is what it is, uh, all down this mountain. So you see this place in... Pamukkale, actually, if you translated that into English, it means cotton castle. It was called that in the days that Jesus walked this earth, and it's called that today. And it's an incredible sight. These hot springs in Pamukkale, these hot springs in the Heropolis, made for incredible bathhouses for the Romans. 
And these mineral springs were these what, what they would think is these nice healing springs. And the coolest hotel that I have, think I've ever been to had these springs piped right into it. We stayed the night in Pamukkale, and, and if you look at this, this, there was this hot tub, right? There these two hot tubs side by side. One was called the Red Hot Mineral Springs, and that hot tub uh, was at about 111 degrees. Now, you can't govern how hot God uh, makes His water, but uh, in, in the United States, at least, you can only have uh, 104 degrees in your hot tub. And I always wish it would be a little bit hotter, but it, it, it came in at about 111 degrees on there. Nice and hot, but then right next to it is this beautiful cool mineral spring that you can refresh after you stayed in this hot tub. And I luckily, no one was even there when I walked down there and I got to sit in there all by myself and experience what it was like in Pamukkale. The same thing that the Roman soldiers and, and Roman uh, people and all those that came to visit 2,000 years ago went to experience. I got to experience that and it is a wonderful thing if you're ever in Turkey, which most of us will not be. You got to go here. It's really neat. It's a great experience and it serves a great purpose. Now, if you look uh, over next to Pamukkale, about a, a few miles away, like I said, there's the city of Colossae. And this is looking at Mount Cadmus. And Colossae is right at the bottom of that mountain. If you're standing in Laodicea, you're looking right there, and that's Mount Cadmus. And one of the beautiful things of Colossae is you have this fresh snow melt coming down from Mount Cadmus. It's the largest mountain on the uh, western side of Turkey. And when we went to go visit uh, Colossae, you saw the streams coming down the street. These snow melt streams, and the water there is cool. And refreshing. It's wonderful. People knew the people in Colossae would have fresh snowmelt water. You see, Laodicea was an incredible city. It was rich. It was beautiful. The architecture of Laodicea was incredible. Matter of fact, they sourced this uh, blue stone if you can see that, I don't know how well you can see it. It doesn't, it doesn't pay it justice to not see. It's this blue marble that they dress their city in in so many places. Matter of fact, the church there had blue marble for their pulpit that they would preach from and blue marble uh, for their communion table. I guess, it, I don't know what it was. I guess it's a communion table. But they had that there and it was beautiful. As rich as they were. As much as they had, location is so important, right? We hear about that. Location, location, location. And their problem was, while their location made them rich, their location also was pretty poor in one area. That was their water. There was no water source around Laodicea, and so they had to pipe the water in. And what you're seeing in these pictures are actual pipes where they brought water in. And if you see that center picture, that's going straight from the Heropolis down over into Laodicea, four miles away. 
the water that they pipe in from the Heropolis and the water that they pipe in from Colossae would have to travel several miles. By the time it got to Laodicea, the water from Colossae was uh, no longer this fresh snowmelt water, cool to the tongue, but it was lukewarm. Matter of fact, uh, that the snow starts to melt and then eventually it does melt and that water dries up and then all the water you get is from Heropolis. And you might say, well, it's no longer hot by the time it gets to there. It doesn't serve its purpose of being nice and hot. But the thing that makes that mountain, the cotton castle, look like it does is it's filled with minerals. And so as I was on top of the, when I was over in Heropolis, I, I was standing there and, and I told someone, because one of my favorite lines, I guess in high school was, uh, I'll spit you out, right? That's what he says. You're going to another hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and only good for spitting out. And so I told uh, one of the guys on the trip with me, I said, well, go ahead and spit the water out. And the guy looks at me and says, you will spit it out. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you don't want to drink that water. I said, all right, well, these people deserve a good story. So I scooped some water up. I put it in my mouth to taste it. And guess what I did? Spit it out. You didn't want to swallow it. It was that, I don't know, just so some mineral rich or sulfuric or something. It just tasted disgusting. But that was the water that was able to come over to Laodicea. Water that I tasted and realized, okay, Jesus isn't just using uh, strange talk. He's talking to these people that know exactly what He's talking about. He's talking to them who know that they have everything. They think they have everything, but they have one thing that's just useless. And that's their water. It's good for nothing. And what Jesus wants them to realize is they are being just like their water. They're not serving a purpose, not, not serving the same purpose that just a couple of miles down the road, everyone's coming to the Heropolis to enjoy its good hot water. And everyone goes to Colossae and enjoys its cold, refreshing water, but no one's coming here for that. Serves no purpose. It's not doing what water is intended to do, either give you a nice, hot, relaxing bath or a cool drink to your tongue. And Jesus is saying, that's how y'all are being. You're neither hot. You're neither cold. You're just existing. You're not being like the, the people of Smyrna that we talked about last week that are, that are sitting there and they're, they're, they're working really hard to uh, be faithful in a place that's persecuting. People aren't really persecuting the, the Laodiceans. They're just existing. And the thing is, God's people are not called to just come and exist. We're not called to just to come to a church building and be entertained. We're called to be the church. 
We're called to serve a purpose. To reach others, to serve others so that they can glorify our God in heaven. On Thursday, our youth group uh, went to a youth rally over in, in, uh, Alpa, in uh, at Pine Tree Church with several other youth groups. And one of the verses that they read in the lesson that night, I came to, to, to be with them that night, was Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. It says, one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. This religious man uh, saw Jesus and he saw that Jesus was was uh, doing some incredible things and he wanted to follow Jesus and that's what we should all want to do. But Jesus wanted him to understand that there is going to come a cost with following him. And what he says is, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. And what I think he's trying to get him to understand, and this is my wheels start turning as I was already thinking about this lesson and put this, this, this lesson together, it was that to follow Jesus, sometimes we're going to have to give up the creature comforts of home. To follow Jesus means that sometimes we're going to have to get off of that wonderful lazy boy recliner that we're sitting in. And we're going to have to work for Him. And we're going to have to serve Him. Following Jesus sometimes means that we live life with a little bit of discomfort. You see, maybe following Jesus means that while we all want to come and listen to an incredible sermon, right? <laughs> Maybe what you need to do is be over there in the Bible hour room on Sundays at times. And teaching these young kids because this is a message that we need to get out to them. Maybe following Jesus means that instead of sitting in our lazy boy and enjoying a nice relaxing weekend, we are out serving and helping others. Maybe following Jesus means that instead of upgrading your car to something newer and sleeker and shinier, you use those extra blessings that you have coming in to help those in need, to help the Lord's church. You see, following Jesus comes a lot of times without the creature comforts of home. And sometimes it means we got to put ourselves in a little bit of uncomfortable situations. Sometimes those situations are awkward because following Jesus means that we sometimes have awkward conversations with folks. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Following Jesus means that we serve him, 
But the beautiful thing of, of following Jesus and serving Him, though sometimes it can be a little bit hard, sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable, we're not called to do it all by ourselves. We're called to do it with the church. Jesus wasn't just centering out just one person in Laodicea. He was talking to the whole church. The church needs to go and serve together. The church needs to have a purpose together. And so we have our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what a family is, is we do this together. But God's also with us, and that's where He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us these gifts and He's created us, like, like Jaime talked to the kids about, for His good workmanship. He's created us and given us all these talents to glorify Him, to reach out to Him, to show others who He is. We're called to look for ways to serve, look for ways to be, to live a life with purpose and do you have the ability to serve? Of course you do. We all have the ability to serve. I, I appreciate last weekend, uh, several of the young men of the congregation came and they went and helped a young lady move and they could have been sitting at home on their recliners, but they came and put a little manual labor in there. I appreciate those that uh, put together these little gift bags for our visitors. I, I appreciate the... The, the committee in our in our congregation that cooks meals and and takes that to those uh, that that are that are in need of a meal and I appreciate those that get up here and lead singing and lead prayers appreciate the teachers that teach in the classes I appreciate those that on their own time spread the good news of the gospel I appreciate those that are so generous and giving to this congregation. Like I said, we don't come to a church building to be entertained. But we're a group of God's servants that are the church. We live life serving others. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light put a light under a lamp or put it under a bowl or neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. When we live a life serving our God, we're allowing the light that He's given us, our gifts that He's given us, our talents that He's given us, our abilities that He's given us, we're allowing that to shine out into this world so that others can see the goodness of our God and not praise us, but give glory to Him. And if we're not using what He's given us, if we're not using, living a life with purpose, what Jesus is saying is it's like us putting a lamp out for the house to be lit up, but you're putting a basket over the top of it or a bowl over the top of it. 
And what he wants this church in Laodicea to realize is he's given them special abilities. He's given them gifts, but he wants them to use that. He wants them to have a purpose in their life. To be hot or to be cold, to have this purpose like the water had a purpose. Because if you're not living with a purpose, he says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, you're wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Do we see that at times we're putting our light under this bowl? We understand the song that we grew up singing, a lot of us, uh, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? We understand the song, but do we go out there and do we do it? Or do we live a life and we keep it hidden? We're called to do more. And sometimes that makes it a little bit uncomfortable. So as I was walking through Laodicea, I turned to my Bible professor uh, or, or, or my former Bible professor. And I, as we leave the church, and it was an incredible church. It was, the, it was the, one of the best churches that, that had been put, put together or, or, or discovered and, uh, from ancient times. And I asked him, I said, do you think the letter was successful? To the Laodiceans. Do you think Jesus' words were successful? Do you think they turned it around? Because at the end of the letter, Jesus says in verse 19, to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne did they turn it around did they heed Jesus's words did they repent did they start becoming useful what's interesting is about 200 years after this letter this church does something incredible. This holy Bible that each of us have, and if you don't have one, you can go to the library and grab one. We have several available. About 200 years after this letter was written, church leaders from all the Christian world at the time came together where? In Laodicea. And what they did at this at this meeting is they took the letters that were the, the, the that were been circulated, the gospels that have been circulated, and the letters of the Apostle Paul that have been circulated, and the letters of John and Peter, and they took all those and they put together our Bible. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit is working on them and letting them know all the things that we now have 2,000 years later and that we'll be able to share on to the next generation and the next and the next. And that all happened in Laodicea. 
where people were living life without purpose and then Jesus says, turn the way you're living and do something good for me. And I think they did some incredible things after that. I think they heeded Jesus' warning. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Those that are waiting to open, uh, he, he tells them that, that he is... Anyone that hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person, and they are with me. I think they opened that door for Jesus. And that same phrase should be for you. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's ready for you to accept Him in, in your life. He's ready for you to be baptized into Him. That, uh, what you see up there in the corner, that's a, that's a baptistry from 300 A.D. Where people went in and they were baptized. And that practice still happens today. You can be baptized into Jesus Christ. Just as they were raised into Him and are now probably in heaven with Him, we also can be raised with Him. Most of us have done that. If you have already done that, I also would say he's standing at the door and knocking. And he wants you to live a life with purpose. A life that's glorifying him and reaching out to others so that they can see our great God. If you have any need today, if you need the prayers of the church, if you want uh, us to help you uh, get plugged in in some way to to. Live a life with purpose with Him. We can help you with that. If you have any need, please come while we stand and sing.